Well, I invite you to turn with me to Luke chapter 11. Be looking at, again, the Lord's Prayer. be a good recording. All right. So we're continuing our series on the Lord's Prayer where we have been um, kind of taking the teaching of the Westminster Larger Catechism and then expounding upon it with the scripture proofs that are found there. And some of you know the, the Westminster divines, the authors of the Confession as well as the Larger and Shorter Catechism, they spent five years uh, preparing these documents, the the best and the brightest um, theologians and pastors and teachers uh, in England and Scotland gathered there, and they were preparing this document. They spent four years, I believe, um, writing the the confession and the catechisms together. They gave that to Parliament, and then they said, we would like you to have scripture proofs attached to it. And so Although they didn't rewrite anything, they had already they had used the scripture in order to come up with the answers they had. They hadn't footnoted the passages and references that they had been using to make that argument or make that, that answer. And so they spent the next year providing all the scripture proofs. They spent five years on these documents um, to provide for us. And so we are enriched if we read them and understand them. So the larger catechism has great biblical wisdom to guide us in prayer, and it specifically takes this Lord's Prayer and breaks it down by each petition. And so I hope you're encouraged by the answers it gives and by the encouragement to your own um, uh, prayer life. Like they, I, I pray that you are growing more dependent upon him, that you're recognizing your need for prayer, your need to enter into prayer, not... Not that this is just helpful information to have about prayer. It's, it's similar to evangelism. We can do a lot of talking. We oftentimes do more talking about it than actually evangelizing. You know, we can talk more about prayer than actually praying. So several weeks ago, we considered the preface to the Lord's Prayer, Our Father in Heaven. And we considered how we come before God with reverence for his sovereign power. But we know that he is also our Father, so He is powerful and mighty, and we come to Him with reverence, recognizing He is that, but we also know that He is a loving Father. He's not going to reject us. He's going to receive us. Um, he is almighty, yet full of grace. So we want to keep His heavenly glory in mind so that we might have our hearts and hopes set upon eternity as we pray, specifically for present situations and needs. It's that you can have your concerns, your present concerns on your mind as you come to him, but you do so in light of the fact that you're praying to a heavenly father who has given you promises of eternity that you'll be with him, right? So it changes your perspective of your present situation. It gives you hope and confidence in the midst of those. And again, the fact that he is our father means that we ought to regularly engage in corporate prayer with and for one another. And then last week, we looked at the first petition, hallowed be your name, and there were 
really more scripture proofs than you could we could turn to uh, that that week. So scripture is full of adoration and praise, and it oftentimes is the one that that kind of fills our thoughts um, with the least, or it covers the least amount of time in our prayers. And we sort of think we're just repeating ourselves, but the point was, we see in Revelation a lot of repetition. It should be expected that we'll repeat ourselves, but when we're just adoring and praising God, that's okay. Right? If it's genuine adoration and praise led by the Spirit, it uh, first of all will imply our unworthiness, right? So we will need to ask for the enabling grace that only He can provide so that we might properly praise Him. And then we want Him to be glorified in all things and if that's going to be the case, then we, need, we also want him to remove anything that distracts from his glory. And we want to see him glorified in all things, and that means anything else in our life or that we can see, we want to pray for the removal of that. So we talked about atheism and ignorance being removed uh, from the world. So we want to pray in that way. Now we come to this uh, third or uh, the second petition. Your kingdom come. So before we read the passage, we'll look at Luke 11, 1 through 4. Let us pray and ask the Lord for his help. Heavenly Father, we do come to you for help every time we open your word. We ask that you would incline our hearts to your word, that we would desire to know and understand what you're teaching. Lord, we ask that you would uh, open our eyes to behold wondrous things in your law that we would be filled with joy as we read these things, and that, and that would have an impact in the way we commune with you in prayer. Lord, unite our hearts to fear your name, that we wouldn't be divided by distractions, but we would be united even now as we sit under the teaching of your word. And Lord, satisfy our hearts, satisfy our longing to be fed by you even now. It's in Christ's name we ask it. Amen. Read with me Luke chapter 11, verses 1 through 4. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation. Amen. This is God's holy word. Now again, as a reminder, there's the Lord's Prayer here. And then you also find it in Matthew chapter 6. In the midst of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus gives the fuller um, Lord's Prayer there. So this is probably two separate occasions where Jesus is talking about prayer to his disciples and giving them instruction. But obviously a lot of parallels in the language of the prayer. Um, so we're going to focus specifically on this second petition, your kingdom come. And the Westminster Larger Catechism, question 191, says, what do we pray for in the second petition? And the answer is, in the second petition, which is thy kingdom come, acknowledging ourselves and all mankind to be by nature under the dominion of sin and Satan, we pray that the kingdom of sin and Satan may be destroyed. The gospel propagated throughout the world, the Jews called, the fullness of the Gentiles brought in, 
the church furnished with all gospel officers and ordinances, purged from corruption, countenanced and maintained by the civil magistrate, that the ordinances of Christ may be purely dispensed and made effectual to the converting of those that are yet in their sins, and the confirming, comforting, and building up of those that are already converted, that Christ would rule in our hearts here and hasten the time of his second coming and are reigning with him forever, and that he would be pleased so to exercise the kingdom of his power in all the world as may best conduce to these ends. Well, some of this um, does reflect some of the things we talked about in this morning's sermon, as well as in our Sunday school class regarding the already and not yet. So you'll hear some of the overlap in those themes here. But the first thing we learn from this answer is, is that praying your kingdom come is a recognition that we want to see the destruction of Satan's kingdom. Asking for his kingdom to come is a recognition that there's another kingdom presently alive that we want to be destroyed. Desiring God's kingdom to come admits that there is another kingdom to which we once belonged. So humans are by nature under the dominion of sin and Satan. That is the kingdom in which we once walked and lived. It is a kingdom that is presently at work attempting to thwart the kingdom of God from taking root. Our passions and desires were once controlled by sin and Satan so that our actions and thoughts were only evil all the time, as Genesis 6 verse 5 said. We were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 2 through 3. So notice that those, those references and, and this instruction is about a, a past tense, right? You were, you, you were by nature under the dominion of sin and Satan. It was a kingdom in which you once walked and lived. You were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. So in, in, in the first thing we need to recognize is that we have been ransomed. We have been redeemed by Christ. We have been adopted into his family so that we can now pray and recognize that we belong to him and his kingdom. We belong to the kingdom of God. We no longer belong to the kingdom of Satan. We're no longer under that dominion. But obviously, because we still live in this realm, we still live on this earth, we wrestle and fight against that kingdom all the time. So you have both the growth of the kingdom of God parallel with the kingdom of evil that is growing and, and increasingly uh, enraged against God and his church. So first of all, this should cause us to earnestly pray that the kingdom of evil might be entirely removed from our experience. Asking for, for God to bring his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven, we are, recognize, we are asking him to perfect this place. We recognize that's not going to happen until Christ returns. We know that that's not going to happen, but we should be praying for that. That should be our desire, right, is to see that evil removed entirely and, and personally, right? You want to see this personally in your own life. Don't you want to see the destruction of Satan's kingdom and its impact upon you, the havoc that it's wreaked in your own experience? We aren't simply thinking of others here. We want to see the end of our own temptation, And we know that God has defeated his enemies and that they will be finally judged if they do not repent and turn to him. 
as we read in Psalm 68. Um, if people continue in their sin, they prove themselves to be of the devil whose works the Son of God came to destroy. So believers are accused by Satan day and night because of our sin, but we are assured that Christ's death has conquered him. And since we belong to the kingdom of God, we too have conquered our accuser by the blood of the Lamb. And again, you're hearing references here from this morning. Um, but you see that specifically, that we have conquered the accuser by the blood of the Lamb. That's in Revelation 12. We haven't, we haven't gotten there yet in our morning sermon series. But sin and Satan have lost their dominion over us. But we long, again, for their complete eradication from our lives upon Christ's return. All right, so that's the first recognition, that when we pray for God's kingdom to come, we want to see the uh, kingdom of Satan destroyed. Secondly, we want to see the advance of the kingdom of grace. We pray to see the gospel propagated throughout the world, to see the gospel proclaimed and spread. We want to see it successful in nations that have not heard the gospel. And so we know this will require our involvement because evangelism is the means by which we see the gospel spread. So we ask for his grace and blessing to make his way known among the nations. This, is not only, this not only gives us a heart for our unbelieving neighbors, um, it also gives us a heart for missions. We long to see all the nations ascending to the mountain, the house of the Lord. Isaiah chapter 2, verses 2 through 3. Uh, Psalm 67 says, Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. That should be our prayer. It should be a, the cry of our heart. Let the nations sing for joy. Let them enjoy our God with us. Let them sing for joy. Malachi prophesied that God's name would be great from the east to the west. He literally said this, from the rising of the sun to its setting. And that, in, in that context, isn't talking about the length of the day, from the rising of the sun to its, set, its, its, its setting, but from the east to the west, it's across the globe. We want to see, because uh, the sun rises in the east and sets in the west. Get that? So you have... All across the globe, we want to see his name great. And then it says that his name would be great among the nations. So we ought to pray regularly for our missionaries and evangelists and support them however we can. The church uh, ought to pray for more evangelists, for laborers that are willing to go out into the harvest, as we read in Matthew chapter 9. Verse 38, Paul coveted the prayers of the saints in their evangelistic endeavors. And he was always asking in his letters, pray for us. Pray that I would have boldness to proclaim this truth. Pray that I would, I would have an opportunity, right? that I would have open doors. He was always asking for the church to pray for him in these ways. So we ought to pray for the salvation of the Jews as well as the fullness of the Gentiles to be brought in. Both of those concepts come from Romans, Romans chapter 10 and Romans chapter 11. And we see this example in, G in Jesus' own high priestly prayer. In John 17, he prays for the, his Jewish disciples as well as those who would believe in me through their word. So he's saying, I'm praying for these, but I'm not just praying for these. I'm praying for all who would know me through their word proclamation. So we want to see Satan's kingdom destroyed. We want to see 
the advance of the kingdom of grace. We want to see the health as well of the kingdom of grace. And we want to see a healthy church. And so that's ex- explained in this answer in several ways. When we talk about his kingdom coming, we have a desire to see the church purged from corruption. When nations who did not know God turn to him, the corruption of their speech is changed. Instead of calling upon idols, they will begin to call upon the name of the Lord and serve him with one accord. Zephaniah 3.9. We also pray for the civil magistrates to maintain peace. They have a duty to put an end to unjust persecution. Not every government and civil magistrate is, is going to do that, but we want to pray for that. We ought to pray that our own civil authorities, as well as foreign governments, would not hinder the church's growth. Now, that's not to say we expect them to promote the church's growth, right? We expect our, our church, um, you know, to be like Constantine, right? just forcing people to become Christians, because that doesn't work either. Right? We, we, we do want, however, as Paul says to Timothy, we want to pray that our kings and high officials would allow us to lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every manner. Right? It's, it's the recognition that the civil magistrate is responsible for maintaining peace so that you have the freedom to worship God. Although it may primarily refer to um, a characteristic of the new heavens and new earth, Isaiah speaks uh, of kings and queens as submitting to the church, even licking the dust under their feet. It says kings and queens will do that of believers um, and that they would support the maturity of the church's children. That's the prophecy. That's the, the language of the prophecy. And so we ought to pray, right, that that our that authorities, um, even our, our president, regardless of, of the party, would honor God in his or her work. Right? That, that they would honor God in the way they work, and they would support um, the maturity of the church. But again, we, we recognize that some of this will not be fully and finally fulfilled until Christ's return. So we want to pray that Jesus Christ, the head of the church, might be heard, trusted, and obeyed by all the church. This is the recognition that as we gather as saints, we know that, there's, that we're not whole, that we're not complete, that there's wheat and tares among us, um, that this isn't the full number, and it's not even a pure, a perfectly pure number. So some in the church still need conversion while the rest need to be confirmed, comforted, and built up. And that's all in this answer, right? When we're asking for the kingdom to come, we're asking as well that his kingdom would come in perfection. We pray for effective ministry and effective ministers in both their preaching and in their shepherding roles. That's how they are praying in Acts chapter 4. We pray for all the saints and especially the leadership to proclaim the mystery of the gospel with all boldnesses. Paul mentions in Ephesians 6. We ought to strive together in our prayers for each other. You see this in Romans 15, asking the Lord to make our service and ministry fruitful. He encourages the church in Rome, strive together in praying for one another. 
Pray that God would make us worthy of his calling, that we might accomplish all that he calls us to by faith. 2 Thessalonians 1. We can call upon God who saved us to grant comfort and hope and to provide the foundation for us to do every good work and word. Um, Pray that we would not be inward focused, but that Christ would rule in our hearts here. That, that comes almost directly out of Colossians chapter 3, verse 15, and it's the language you find in the answer. So we want our lives to be about Christ, right? And we want to pray for that, that our brothers and sisters who are in Christ might be strengthened by his spirit in their comprehension of the love of Christ, Ephesians chapter 3. So there's evidence that the, the kingdom of grace is within believers, Luke 17, But we could also argue that the kingdom of glory is heavenly, right? There's a a future kingdom that awaits. Again, it's this this age and the one to come, the age to come. It all belongs to the kingdom of God. We have a partial experience of that kingdom now in this age, and we await the fuller and final experience of that in the age to come. So it's our longing, even in this prayer, thy your kingdom come, it's our longing that glory, uh, longing for that glory that causes us to pray for the hastening of the kingdom of glory. And we want to pray that his kingdom would come soon. That's what they're praying in Revelation. Right at the end of the book, they're asking for him to come. Come, Lord Jesus. Revelation chapter 22, verse 20. So we know that when Christ returns, those who endure will reign with him forever. 2 Timothy 2.12. Peter writes of waiting for the hastening and coming of the day of the Lord, because this earth will be dissolved and we will inhabit the new heavens and the new earth in which righteousness dwells. So your kingdom come, it implies all of these things. It implies sort of this past kingdom that we belong to. It implies this present kingdom that we want to be healthy We're asking also that what we have awaiting us in the future, we could begin to taste even now. That's our desire. That's our longing. And we know that it will be fulfilled in eternity. So in light of the eternal glory that awaits, we ought to pray that we would experience as much of that reality as possible in this present age. And that includes the removal of God's enemies so that with Isaiah, we could ask God to come down and make his name known among his adversaries, that they might tremble at his presence. But it also means that we would long to experience a taste of the joys of heavenly worship as we engage in corporate worship on earth. It means that we we want to experience the the joys of, of our eternal inheritance even now. And he does give us a taste of that when we gather together. So let's close with that thought and ask the Lord to hear our praise. Heavenly Father, we do long to see your kingdom come. We, we want to see, in saying that, the destruction of Satan's kingdom. We want to see... Uh, the temptations that we face daily removed entirely from our presence, that we would have no desire anymore to rebel against you, 
that we would not be faced with outward or inward temptation from our flesh or the snares of the devil or the lusts of this world. Lord, we want to see your victory in our own lives. We want to be strengthened by you. Every time we gather together in, in this corporate worship, every time we come to you in prayer or open your word, that we would be strengthened for the temptations that we will face in the very next moment. Lord, we need your guidance. We need your spirit's help in those things. And so when we pray for your kingdom to come, we pray for the destruction of those temptations. We also pray for the advancement of your kingdom, the kingdom of grace, that, that the gospel would be proclaimed throughout the world, not just here in, from, from individuals in this church uh, uh, to their neighbors, but that we would have the uh, missionaries on our minds, that we would be thinking about those, maybe ones we know and those that we don't know, who are giving their lives to proclaim the gospel to places that need to hear it. Lord, I think of people who are trained up and, and going to these unreached people groups, which many of them are in extremely dangerous areas where they are risking their lives. And they go to, in order, they give their lives to this mission um, because they know uh, that you are glorified as people turn to you, as corruption is removed and as the gospel is proclaimed and goes forth and spreads in the hearts of new converts. Your name is glorified. You are magnified by that. And so, Father, I pray that you would give that motivation to missionaries, that you would raise up and train up new missionaries to go, that we, we want to pray and we want to see more laborers um, reaping this field of harvest. Lord, we pray for more. We pray for individuals who are passionate for the gospel, who are willing to do the hard work of laboring in a, a language that they don't know, of taking years, however long it takes, to know the language so well that they don't get the gospel confused as they proclaim it, and that others would turn uh, to you and turn away from their idolatry and sin. Lord, we do pray for the advancement of the kingdom of grace. We also recognize that as we belong to the kingdom of God, as we are growing ourselves in this kingdom of grace, we want to see a, a healthier church. We want to see um, to the purging of sin from our midst. We want to, want to see individuals grow and, and um, mortifying sin in their own lives. Lord, we want to see your kingdom grow in health, and we want to see the, the authorities and civil magistrates maintain peace so that we might worship you um, without fear. Lord, and we do recognize that there are some nations where the authorities are at odds with the church, where they would consider the Christ Christian church their enemy, and we pray that you would thwart their plans, that you would overthrow their authority and cause those to come into power who might um, who might maintain a peace uh, that that we are taught to pray for, as Paul taught Timothy. And so, Lord, we long for your kingdom to come in that way as well. And finally, we want to hasten. We want to pray for the hastening of the kingdom of glory. Lord, help us to to long for that and. I know sometimes it's, 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 it seems so far off. And when you think about heaven, 
it, it's hard to really look forward to it because we have so many things presently that we're looking forward to enjoying, you know, in our own lives. And yet we just minimize the joys that await when we think that any experience in this present age is at all superior to what awaits us. Lord, and so fill us with the right desire, a heavenly affection, as we ask for your kingdom to come. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.